Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real, honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm Sarah, and today I'm joined by Charlie. Hey, friends. Britt Kitchen. How's it going? And Josh Frazier. Hello. And Britt and Josh, it is your first time here, so I would love before we get started to talk a little bit about where you guys are from and what y'all do. Britt, you want to start? Yeah, my name is Britt Kitchen, and I'm the Student Ministry Director at North Point Ministries. And basically, I help equip and coach a bunch of different churches in the Atlanta area. That's awesome. And I'm Josh Frazier. I'm the Student Pastor at uh, Greystone Church. We have about three campuses, one in Gwinnett, one in Walton, and one in Coney. I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers. Okay, so before we get going, I want to have one interesting fun fact from each of you to help people get to know you a little bit better. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, well, my go-to fact is that I am a licensed train conductor. Uh, my first job in high school was um, doing the tours and being a train conductor at a place called Stowe Mountain Park yes, in, uh, in Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, yeah. So I did the tours on the train, and yeah, part of your did your... you get to blow the whistle? No, that's an engineer. Oh, oh so sorry. Sorry, wow. I was a conductor. Okay. <laughs> in the back. I got to say all aboard. Oh, okay. That's but yeah, it was you know you're 16, you're like yeah, part of your paycheck goes to the train conductor union. And you're like, oh, really? You're How, part of what? the union. How I am I not going to reap the benefits of that? But anyway, that's, that's that is my a first fun real fact. job. I love that. I don't know how I can beat that. I mean, uh, <laughs> even though you can't see me, I have red hair. There you go. That's, oh, that's all I got. There you that's go. all I got. I've never, <laughs> never confirmed that. You he can does, that? in fact, yeah. have red hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I have ridden bulls and rodeos before. What? Let's I rode go. in the Cody Night Rodeo in Cody, Wyoming. Cody, Wyoming. I forget Super that Super fun. Yeah. I love that. So how did you do? How long did you stay Oh on? my gosh, I was awful. It's like bounce, bounce off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no longevity to riding bulls. Okay, so. well, A for oh effort. Yeah, nice um, I'm glad I went to youth ministry because I could have made a career out of that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Probably a little bit more longevity in this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about this idea, help my youth ministry numbers plateaued. And we just want to talk a little bit about what the average youth pastor feels when this happens and then what they can do to kind of turn things around and maybe look for a way to improve the situation. So to get started, what I want to do is talk about this idea of plateauing, because I feel like there is a really strong emotional connection for us. Depression. Okay. Depression. That's initially what you feel when your numbers plateaued. But I do feel like there is kind of this a weight that we feel when our numbers mm-hmm. aren't growing and just where that, where we think that comes from and why we feel this attachment um, yep. with our job to that. You guys just feel free to jump in whenever. Yeah, to add to depression, anxiety, stress. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes from comes from up, down. I mean, you want to be the best version of who you are, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if you're if you're comparing yourself to other other places or other things or, you know, you gotta you gotta be kinda okay with what so you're at. That depression or anxiety kinda comes from first the comparing to other ministries that maybe aren't plateauing and are growing and yours isn't. Mm-hmm. And then maybe from the top down leadership you're saying. Yeah. 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 And I think I think Charlie mentioned something earlier. I mean, you you're not uh, you're not always that that higher up may not have that may not be given that pressure or might be given it, but it might be an internal thing too. Obviously, yeah. yeah. 
Well, and I think we all want to be good at what we do. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of jobs, this is just a very visual fact that we may not be as great as we thought we were, or we might not be doing all the best things because we can visually see when our ministry is declining. Yeah. And that's hard. I mean, it's in your face. Yeah. Well, yeah. In our industry, there's not sales figures. We can't put up your percentage of, uh, you know, product, internal sales, external sales, or we can't, you know, see how many new clients uh, that were brought in, but we can kind of watch our attendance numbers. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess the bad side of So it's an easy us. way to measure success, whether it's accurate or not, it feels And it like may be it the is. only one that is real tangible, that's yes. real concrete. You right. know, it's hard to put on a pie chart right. the spiritual maturity mm-hmm. of an 11th grade girl. Right. But I can mm. watch numbers yeah. over a few months. Yeah. So I think that's why we sort of focus yeah. on it. So where, are there patterns that you guys have noticed as practitioners where there are times of the year when numbers are plateauing or... Have you noticed things that are consistently happening? Well, that's my first thought is if someone says, hey, my numbers are plateau, I'd say, well, how do you know they've plateaued? Like that, that's a pretty strong word. Let's slow down. Like, hey, I had 50 students in in, um, September and it's November. I have 50 students. So I've plateaued. It's like, well, maybe not. I mean, are you aware of all the ebbs and flows of different times of the year that, yeah, there was a bump in August, there was a bump in July, there was a bump first week of June or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so are you just experiencing because you're new in a church or new in a youth ministry, you're just experiencing the usual ebb and flow. Okay. Yeah, I almost don't want to hear the word plateau till you've tracked your attendance for over a year. Like okay. August is a very different month from November th- from April. So okay. that's my first thought when I hear the word yeah. plateau. Yeah. Yeah, I would say definitely a year is a good time frame of, of saying, you know, because you obviously summer's, summer's going to, you know, completely kill your numbers from okay. the whole year, you know, but, uh, probably because people are traveling and, you know, that kind of stuff. All the lake houses that lake we don't houses, get invited to, vacations, right? Vacations. <laughs> yeah. Vacation to lake house always yeah. beats camp sometimes. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, and that's church to church and it's community to community. Sure. I mean, there are some right. churches that summer is great. There are some churches that, you know, sure. November is great. And so... It's going to take you at least a year to figure out what your local community, the ebbs and flows are. So once you get that baseline, then, okay, maybe we can start talking about this idea of plateauing of, of, but why is that negative? I mean, like, Hey, you're, you're consistent. So, right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So talk about that a little bit because it does plateau does have a negative connotation attached to it. What about numbers plateauing could be an okay thing or even a Well, I know plenty thing. of churches where, hey, the student ministry's plateaued. Um, let's say middle school ministry meets on a Sunday morning and mm. I've got 50 students. Okay. How many um, seats are in your auditorium? 500. Okay. Well, you, you got 10%. I mean, right. that, that'd be an incredible percentage. And is big church full? Like right. there are no mm-hmm. open seats in the auditorium? Well, guess what? You're probably not going to double those student ministry numbers as long right. as the auditorium's full. So there's lots of factors that can go into this. Yeah. So I, someone says, hey, my numbers are plateaued. I, I want to know lots of data yeah. points. You know? yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Tell me your percentage of students to a big church. How many services are you talking about? Is big church growing? You know. So there's lots of pieces to this puzzle. I think it's interesting because both of you have mentioned that you have multiple campuses. And mm-hmm. for me, I, it's so visual because if I have 12 kids, I notice if one or two are gone. Right. Um, if six are missing, like, I mean, right. that's a really big deal. And I think that that absence um, is felt. Mm-hmm. I know it, multiple campus is a different kind of plateauing than I think a small church is. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, um, you know, it stays pretty consistent. And then the moment that they're not there, 
Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to name it. Well, what was it? It was... Was it my message? Was it something that we did? Was it not fun? Because it may not be a season for us. Mm. You know, it may yeah. just be, well, they've checked out. Maybe they went to, <laughs> my favorite thing is that they try to go to a, and they go to a different church that maybe has more lights, more music, more zhuzh. Mm-hmm. Is zhuzh a word? <laughs> it like, is now. Zhuzhing it up. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, and that we don't have. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's different. That's good. So but tell me a little bit about y'all's personal experience that you've had with numbers plateauing. Like what happened? Kind of what did it make you feel as a result? What have been your personal stories? Yeah, so my unique seat is keeping up with several different churches. I mean, there are churches that I help support that will have 12 students mm-hmm. a week in it and other ones that are going to have 1,000 yeah. students a week. So I see this wide difference in sizes, but to look back and see a dashboard with all the different numbers and there are churches that are growing. Right. There are ones that are plateauing. There are ones that are shrinking. And so when numbers take the downturn, I mean, everyone feels the pressure, even though I've never stood up at a meeting and said, right. why are the numbers dipping? Right, but right, everyone right. feels it. And mm. and yeah, it's, it's almost everyone's on, on a witch hunt. Like whose yeah, yeah. fault is it? Who did it? Like, why are they Who's going down? You know, be somebody to blame. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. And you know, your brain always wants to go to the easy answer. Right. It's like, oh, it was that talk that someone did. Right. No, it can't be a talk. <laughs> um, but sometimes it's, hey, because that church, um, they have filled up their auditorium, or there was a lead pastor change there, or is the student pastor change right. over there? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of things that causes those up and down yeah. and flat things. But when it starts happening, yeah, everyone feels uncomfortable. Right. Everyone's mm-hmm. on edge. And it's really hard to talk people off the ledge because it's, it's not like anyone's showing up and saying, hey, what's the problem? Yeah. And putting pressure on you. It's this internal drive, this internal pressure that everyone's aware of it and everyone mm-hmm. gets real edgy. And mm-hmm. so part of the job is to show up and say, everyone, calm down. It's, yeah. Let's keep right. running the plays. Like I yeah, said, yeah. it's going to be a year. I need a year of data before I can make any sort of conclusion. Yeah. So. I try to help people not feel that gut reaction. Yeah. Okay, go rent a foam machine this week. Right. Well, hold on. I don't, I don't know if that's the answer. A yeah. foam machine. I so, like that. So, so, <laughs> so they like, don't no, have, that is the answer. Yeah. So they don't Definitely have do that. FOMO. Oh, so they don't. Oh. Well done, Britt. Well done. You know, um, I've always served in a Methodist church, and we get new pastors like in June, right. and okay. we don't have a say with that. And let me tell you something, that can hurt your student ministry, and there is no control over that, right? right. Even though you still feel mm-hmm. all the same anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. there's no control over the leadership in our church. Right. So then what do you do? That's, That's right. Or point. in uh, Georgia last spring, it rained. Like uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Eleven yes. out of twelve yeah. Sundays yeah. through the spring, and no one wanted to come out of their house. Like, well, that's not my fault. I did not. Yeah. Right. Go yeah. put that on me, Sarah. Yeah. It seemed like it rained every Sunday. It would be fine it on did. Saturday. Yeah. 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 Josh, have you had personal experience in that area as well? Yeah, I would say I'm, I've served in several different churches, uh, different denominations. Not Methodist, but I, I, I see that denomination. But uh, I think I think no matter what denomination, uh, and to culminate kind of what we've all said that to. To the, no matter what denomination, no matter what size your your mm-hmm. church is, I mean, you 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 feel the frustration and mm-hmm. the reality of when your numbers plateau or if they decline. I mean, without a doubt, and it's an all an internal thing. Whether you're yeah. the head guy or you're an assistant associate guy or, yeah. or a girl, um, and so the the big thing the big thing that 
for me now coming into a newer place, I've been in the place that I've been at for about a year is I've actually seen, okay, this is what was, this is what I now I've, I've now taken ownership of and how can you change? How can you recalibrate, restructure some of that stuff that mm-hmm. I've inherited to make it better in the long run? And so mm-hmm. I think, I think the people who are over your, your leadership, whoever that is, has got to give you the freedom in order to make those recalibration mm-hmm. decisions in order to make you know, effective changes. So, yeah, I mean, of course I've experienced plateau, yeah. but it's like, okay, I'm not okay with that. Let's let's move forward. Um, and so... And usually leadership, as long as you're communicating, like uh, in my context, probably going to have a dip coming up pretty soon because we've rearranged the special event calendar. And mm-hmm. so just to communicate to everyone... We know this is mm, coming. We know this is coming. Right. It's going to be a little goofy this spring because yeah. we're moving some things around, but right. you know, just communicate. Got to yeah. pass on that. That's that a good is. point to over communicate so um, it looks on the front end, so it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily look reactive to numbers. Yeah, it, mm. it doesn't look as good on the back end. Right. It feels like you're making excuses. Right. Well, it's because, you know, but if it rained aware, a lot that day. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really good advice. So I don't know that I've thought through that before to say, here are some changes, maybe in my staff meeting, mention mm-hmm. it to the to my senior leadership. That's really good. Obviously, you can't keep doing, doing that every month. I mean, right, so. right. <laughs> I, mean, I know I've been in here for 12 years straight. But. <laughs> the numbers are going to continue to get out. Yeah. Next decade, we're really going to take off. <laughs> so how can you tell the difference between knowing you need to fix something in your ministry and knowing it's just a natural plateau? Like when is it broken and when is it just like this is just part of it? Well, when it comes to an event, I usually say an event gets two years. I get two tries at it. I get my first year, okay. and then I'm going to evaluate, make tweaks, do it my second year. And then after two years, I'm going to know, does it does the event work? Does it okay. work that time of year? Does the location? Mm-hmm. And then it's time to make a decision. Like, is this now part of our DNA, what we're doing moving forward? Or, okay. you know, does it need a, a, re-band, a, yeah. a rebrand? Does it need a funeral? Do we just need to get rid yeah. of it? You know, uh, so... I usually say a two, on special events, yes. like, you know, a two-year cycle, you sh- it's time to make your decision. Okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Any advice on that? Yeah, I, like, I, like I said, I've, I'm kind of in this position for about a year now mm-hmm. and kind of done things as as usual, I guess. Changed yeah. some, change some small things, but, you know, the, the main thing um, kept the same. So now rebranding mm-hmm. and... And there's some rebranding going to happen next semester, next year. There's some uh, restructure. Um, there's some training, different uh, different mm-hmm. ways. Our small group leaders are going to handle things differently. So I just think there's there's some changes that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. I feel, yeah. I think it's really healthy to to not change anything, especially if you're new, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because when you're new in youth ministry, you want to jump in and make everything your own. Right. I feel like that's the instinct, but I love that you've been there a year and now you're waiting to see mm-hmm. like what's happening historically and trending in your ministry. And now you're making some changes. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all, I am quick to want to make changes. Like if I see something's <laughs> broken, I'm like, okay, let's fix it. Yeah. Come mm-hmm. on guys, jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, why aren't and, you seeing this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. And and I have made some mistakes in ministry doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, trickles down and affects people. But I love the two-year events. So I think if something fails, I'm not quick to do it again. So I love that your advice is going two years for that. Yeah. Yeah, and I've just we've had some restructure over at North Point, and so I'm in this boat of all right, three months. I'm I'm new in a certain uh, side of my role, so three months. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm just listening to people. Yes. You know, it's just three months of input, three months of talking to leaders. Volunteers, staff, mm-hmm. old staff, old volunteers who've rotated right. out just three months of listening 
and it has taken me that long just to feel like, okay, now I'm start ready to consider changes. Yes. And so maybe at six months, you'll actually see some of those changes actually take place. But being upfront with my bosses above me and like, hey, right. we'll get to those some changes that we wanted, but I've got to take three months to listen, yeah. three months to make decisions, mm-hmm. and then at six months, we are... Yeah. That's good. A new. I think when you're in a smaller church, right, and you're 12 kids and like eight of them hated it, uh-huh. it's hard to do that event again a second year because oh, there's so point. much pressure from the parents and there's a lot of opinions, right? Because when you only have 12 kids, those opinions right. are loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, but I love that. I would love to try and implement that. It's just, um, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting dynamic. But at the same time, Charlie, um, at some point, you know, we just have to make a decision, you know? Uh, right now in my current changes we're having, it's like... I'm listening for three months. Well, I can make sh- I can't get everyone to agree, but I can make sure everyone feels heard, and that's what I'm doing right now. It's that's like good. at some point, I just got to make a decision and got to be bold. And you'll never have, you know, you've got 12 students and eight of them hate it. We'll never have all 12 right. love it. Right, right. So at some point, yes, you just have to make the decision and go. But hopefully, at least everyone feels heard, feels mm-hmm. like they've been had the opportunity to voice their opinion on yeah. a change. That's mm-hmm. good. So what if you're not new, there haven't been any changes in leadership or changes in your position. It's January when numbers should be up and numbers aren't, and they're kind of down. What do we do if it does look like this is a plateau like this, there's no getting around it. Nothing's happening and it should. Yeah. I would say you've got to, you've got to ask yourself, ask your team, ask your leadership. Are we, are we providing something that's of value to Mm -hmm. them? I mean, are they, are they walking away with something that's valuable? Because honestly, I mean, deep down, we've all been a part of something that's valuable at that point and we won't stop talking Mm -hmm. about it. Like we, Mm -hmm. we've got to talk about it. Maybe the favorite restaurant or, you know, fish tacos, which are my favorite or (laughs) whatever. Like I've got to talk about it. I've got to, I've got to mention it. And so whatever, whatever we provide in the leadership, I want, I want each student to walk away or each parent that of a student to know that, Hey, what they got out of what, what we provide mm-hmm. has, has huge value. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I, and if that, and if we can't really answer that question, then what is, then I think we, I think we ought to, you yeah. know, and, and we'll I think it. learning what us coming up with what's a value, but also being tuned into what a student feels is a value as mm. well. So what we know may be great for them, but they don't ne- isn't necessarily reaching a felt need that they have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So kind of making sure that the two got to be in tune with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. At some point, people just have to you have to listen to your customers. Yeah. And say you know we did these great camping trips for dads and their students, and they would spend you know a couple of nights away, and we we're setting up tents. It was it was great great content, but yeah. we're only taking two or three percent of the available of the possible you know, students and families on that. And we're not taking a large number with it. People are going to vote with their feet. And right. they're like, no, we're, we're not coming. So to take a similar content, yes, we had to water it down a little bit, but to make it just one night, yeah. one single event, you know, on a weeknight to, to say these encouraging words, these blessings over your students, well, all of a sudden we're getting 45% of the available right. audience to come to that. Well, all right. Well, people have told us what they want, what they value. Yeah. Right. I think that's interesting too, because you didn't throw out the whole thing. You really broke up the event into was, mm. were we asking too much time? Are we asking too much of a commitment ahead of time or making them leave and go away somewhere? Was that asking too much? You didn't throw out the content. You're like, we just need to restructure this in a way that's going to make it more appealing to more people. Yes. Yeah, student just, events are probably the most complicated things there are to pull off. Yeah. I mean, I'll, there's yeah. just a lot of logistics. There's lots of logistics. Yeah. And a lot of other things pulling at them. Yep. Totally. At one time. 
But I think everyone has influential people in their church, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's a set of parents or, you know, that mom who's in the community and she's like really busy, Mm -hmm. why not sit down and have coffee with her and share your woes of plateaued students and kids not coming? Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have influential people um, in schools and communities. Sit down, chat mm-hmm. with them. Um, y'all know you got that one kid that everybody else follows. Right. Well, invite that one kid and say, hey, just notice, like, what's going on? You know, is there something, you know, we could do different? And it's not always to please everyone, right. but I love to see the why behind things sometimes. Yeah. Going back to what Britt said, I mean, you being the leader, you have to make the decision, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think that the team aspect or or making sure everybody's heard, parents, all that, Jeff, all that, I think they'll all look. I think all those things are really important. Like we sent out a parent survey earlier this semester, only 20%, you know, responded, right. but at least those 20% yeah. were heard. Yeah. Well, and every other parent at least had the opportunity to, re- right. to respond. Correct. Yep. They were given the open door to say, and a lot of times the silent majority, most people were happy. They didn't even need to <laughs> fill out this that survey. That is true. Right. Yeah. They'll, they'll talk when they're mad. That's true. So maybe if your numbers have plateaued and or they're decreasing and you're like, what is going on? I just want to casually say, could you be over-programmed? Yeah. Right? Because there might be too many choices on the table for your students or your families to choose from. And I feel like when we're coaching and talking to other youth pastors, it seems to be a problem, yeah. right? If you've got three nights a week that you're expecting Joey to show up at church, yeah. that might be too, too many, right? Okay. That's I mean, a good point. maybe, no, yeah. For and sure. if you have, if you're hosting big events that cost money, right, mm-hmm. way too often in your um, programming year, I don't think mom's going to be able to fund, you know, a thousand dollars just to youth group events and activities. Yeah, I sometimes think dialing back and making things simpler could help with your numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something to scarcity. Yes, that, mm-hmm. sure. You know, I'm a big fan of there only being two overnights in a student's calendar year. Mm-hmm. So. That's good. Not three, not four overnights, just two. And mm-hmm. so when they're that scarce, they're paid attention to. They're yeah. put on the family calendar. Yeah. So I always say, let's get two uh, overnights and then the other six months apart, and let's try to get two big program days You know, yeah. uh, that are six months apart. So every three months is your overnight or big program day. Overnight, big program day on the calendar. Yeah. Well, that's a good point, too, that when when you're looking at why things could be plateauing, that you're taking into account not just your individual ministry, but what the effect is having on your family. Like you were saying, Charlie, over-programming as well, that it's just you could be asking too much, making the assumption that church is the only thing families are doing when it's not. It's one of Please. We all know that's not the only thing on the calendar, (laughs) right? I mean, there's a lot on the family calendar these days. And so I think prioritizing what you're doing so that they Mm -hmm. can prioritize that is mm-hmm. big in your numbers. Yeah. I just want to add one more thing. I feel like if you have something for the parents, mm-hmm. that's a great way to get their student in the door too. So maybe it's a, an event that happens for mom and dad and for your kids at the same okay. time. Maybe it's a parenting class. I think that's big, right? Yeah. Because parents want help all the time on to be a better parent. Mm-hmm. So what if you host this killer parenting event and a student event at the same time and kind of get people back into the door of your churches? Right. So it's not necessarily programming that's a problem, but learning to be strategic with the Absolutely. programming that you do have and when. That's good. Okay. So we've been talking about events and how to counteract what uh, feels like plateauing because of them. But what if you're looking at your week to week numbers plateauing? How do you determine what's making that happen? Where, what are the data points that you look at there? Yeah, I don't think uh, student workers really take advantage of the data they've got. Yeah. I mean, even if you're keeping a simple Excel spreadsheet, I've got 12 students writing down 
who was here week to week. There's a lot of information mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Like there's just the raw attendance number week right. to week. And let's mm-hmm. look at which months are up and down and was it is it best to meet the Sunday after Thanksgiving or take that one off or so that's just the raw number. But then you can look closer and be like, okay, well, look, I'm having more girls than guys show up. Okay, mm-hmm. so do I need to do something to capture my guys? Or do I need a better guy volunteers? Um, is it a certain grade that's dropping off? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I've lost all my 11th graders. What happened to that small group? Or, man, I'm not keeping my 8th graders. And so there's all sorts of data you have in a very simple Excel spreadsheet. Let me keep up with you know, who is in the room today? Mm-hmm. Like how many weeks did a student come before they fell off the yeah. map? Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there fatigue after a certain number of weeks? How many uh, kid came once? How many weeks till they show back up again? Mm-hmm. Now that's a real interesting number questions. to me. always like, when is, yeah, you came with a friend, but when did you trust us enough to come your second time? Okay. So, and that's just, that's not fancy, right? You know, databases. That's well, and I Excel. love that you say it's not fancy. I hear from youth workers all the time. Well, what are you doing to track your attendance? Well, it could be as simple as an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, right. It doesn't and, have to be overcomplicated. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no. it doesn't have to be this an app or anything fancy. Right. I mean, it could be an Excel spreadsheet. But I also love that you noticed, like, when the friend comes or a friend doesn't there. What are you doing to contact those students in the in between? Right. right? Mm-hmm. So I love snail mail. Mm-hmm. Right. But what a great way for you to like send a card or it's so simple. Just keep track of that on Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. I try to bring attention to my volunteers of when a student hasn't been there in a certain number of weeks, mm-hmm. highlighting that name. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we haven't seen Johnny for eight weeks. Right. Here's his cell phone number. Right. Here's his his uh, snail mail address. Let's reach out to those students. Yeah. And once again, this is this yeah. is not. It's not rocket science, right? Yeah. It's like pretty simple things it's, to do. It's relationships. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, totally. That's, that's, that's but it right. seems like you've got to be you've got to learn how to ask the right questions around the data, so you're not just paying attention to someone. Okay, so this person's not coming, but asking why or how many weeks before they. I love that question of till they felt comfortable to come on mm-hmm. their own. That mm-hmm. are they feel like they're transitioning to, into the group well enough that they're they don't have to be attached to their friends. Right. And I'll tell you right now, you do a big investment invite event. We spend all this money and all these new uh, first-timers come. Yeah. They're probably not coming back the next week. Yeah. And that's okay. Usually those, you did this big impressive concert or phone party, and then they're probably not (laughs) going to be there. Phone party. They're probably not going to be there the next week. It's going to be a couple months later. Because if it's a truly outsider family, they don't feel immediately... Uh, connected to your community. It's going to take a little while, probably till they run to the next big headache in life. Well, I already just felt some relief hearing you say that Um, because someone who works in a small church and you invest, you know, all this money that you may not already have into a killer phone party. And then next week, only six kids come. You're like, what just happened? So I love that you've said it. It probably wouldn't be the next week. Yeah. And Sarah officially does orange uh, endorse phone parties. Yes. (laughs) Yes. We are proud supporters. It feels very germy, (laughs) even though phone (laughs) like soap is in my head. But like, all I'm thinking is like, ooh. (laughs) Anyway, but yes, phone party it is. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, they're not going to be there that next week, mm, and that's, that's okay. Yeah. It's probably that's you're good. probably not going to see that family till the next big spike of August or January. Or that's if that good. family unfortunately has got some sort of drama in yeah. their family, they suddenly feel they got to come back. Mm-hmm. So, something we do uh, within our church, and you guys can steal this. Whoever's listening, I uh, we, we 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 know that too. Mm-hmm. But what we say to a first time guest or to first time family is, we say, "Hey, give us three shots. Give us three times. Like mm-hmm. the first time's going to be awkward. Second time's going to be." Little less awkward. Third mm-hmm. time, you're gonna you're 
you're going to know. Like you're going to see people. People are going to notice you. You're going to connect. There's going to be friendships built, and um, and you're just hopefully by that third time they'll they'll know. And uh, and if you give them that opportunity, hey, like, mm-hmm. like or commitment to come three times, then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cool thing. And you're right. We've tracked that for years. If a student shows up three times, they're connected. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, they're, they're in. So yeah. there's a big drop-off coming one time. There's a big drop-off coming a second time. And then coming three, four, five, six, seven, all the way up to 45 times a year, like those are incremental drops. Mm. Yeah. If you can get the student to the third. But, you know, there's lots of youth mysteries out there. Spend a lot of money on the big production and the bands and the mm-hmm. lights. That does not get students to come back. If, yeah. uh, I if feel a, like you need to say that again. <laughs> one more time. That does not get students to come back. <laughs> if, if no one knows the student's name, yeah. yep. by the end of their second visit, they are not coming back yeah. to your ministry. Crucial. So you've got to make sure you've got enough help, mm-hmm. volunteers, staff, whatever it is, so that someone knows that student's name by the time they leave their second visit or... You've lost them. Yeah. Something that I think we all do or have done, and you guys are, do it who are listening, is first-time guests, you have a card. Some people do it with a very minimal information. I try to do it with a lot. I mean, Instagram, Snapchat, all the information, and immediately follow them, immediately follow up with them, Give, take a picture of it, give it to your leaders, mm-hmm. let them respond. Multiple Multiple points of contact mm-hmm. always, always increase that coming back. I love that you mentioned social media because I think that's a killer way for people to reach out to students who haven't been there in a while. Right. Just hit them up on Instagram and be like, hey, what's going on? But you can't do that if you didn't get their initial information right. the first time. So how important are both of those steps together? Yeah. Um, I love Instagram because, or any social media, whatever, if you use Snapchat, whatever. Um, (laughs) it makes it less awkward for the kid too, Mm -hmm. because maybe they've just been going through some hard things and they just haven't been able to come back and have maybe not felt great. Anyway, all the things, right? It's not super invasive. Yeah. It's not super invasive. And it's just like, Hey, just wondering how you've been. And you know, it's amazing to me what a simple touch like that will do to get a kid back in the door. That's good. Well, I feel like we've kind of already made the turn, but I wanted to talk about what do we do if we've determined that the plateau is happening, how do we fix it? It seems like we've kind of started down that road. So I want to keep going. Well, I mean, a real quick shot in the arm using social media. We've, you know, had a lot of success. Just a couple social media posts during the week of saying, wear a football jersey this week. And all you're going to do on Sunday is play a football themed hosting game. And that will give you a little bump or, hey, it's the week of Halloween. Wear your costume. And that will give you a bump. And all it was was a couple Instagram posts. It's so funny. On Sunday, we wore flannel shirts and played games with pancakes. Um, You can buy 24 pancakes for $3 at Walmart, guys. Or waffles. Yeah. Or waffles. (laughs) And it was so simple. I spent less than $10, and it was great. Okay, so what else? What else can we do to help fix the numbers that are plateauing? Uh, I was going to say this as as an encouragement. Yeah. I, I think... I think bottom line for what we do is it's discipleship. Mm-hmm. And I think discipleship takes time. Mm-hmm. So I know we've talked about, you know, a timeline, but if, if you're doing what you're, what you need to be doing, building the relationships, building connections, getting people connected, getting families connected. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that process, ultimately getting them connected with Jesus and getting them in the, in, in the Bible, like discipleship, it takes time. And, and then if that's done, done correctly, multiplication will happen. So I think, I think just encourage the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what size church you're, you're from, that's, that's just going to take time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So along those lines, what are some things that we can do that don't just inflate the numbers for a week or two, but this, that does lead to sustained growth yeah. through those connections happening? 
Well, I think it's what Josh was saying. Um, the discipleship piece of uh-huh. ministry is so key and the relationship part. I cannot emphasize enough. Um, when you have an adult who cares about you and loves you and you know that, yeah. um, you're going to come back. So small group leaders, I think, are the heartbeat of right. keeping consistent numbers and having kids there for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you almost have to go a few layers deeper. You know, you do an event and you might get a bump in your numbers for mm-hmm. that week. But if you're really looking for the long-term growth, then it's you're not really looking at an event. You're looking at the relationships and how what kind of volunteers you have, how you're investing in your volunteers to make sure that they're plugged in enough to want to keep coming back yeah. and working with these kids. When you've got to make a choice when you start considering your model. Like if you're going to be a small group-driven uh, model, you're going to have small group leaders... You've got to decide, are you going to chase the calendar, chase the ebbs and flows that are already mm-hmm. there, or are you going to say, no, we're consistent? Uh, what I mean by all that is there were years that we took the summer off. It was like, oh, we'll give our small group leaders a break. June, July, you don't have to come. It's summer because right. we were reacting to what the students were doing. But what we unintentionally communicated was summer doesn't matter. Your small group leaders aren't here anyway. Don't come. Yeah. You're oh. off the hook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So students... Once again, they're wowed by the show, the band, the yeah. first two Sundays after that, someone's got to know their name. They're showing up in a room that no one knows their name. Mm-hmm. So it okay. only made our summers worse. When we reversed that, we said, okay, let's ask our small groupers to come through the summer. Yeah. So students knew, no matter what, no matter what the week of the year is, I know my small groupers going to yeah. be there. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a consistent, predictable, safe environment. And that was the beginning of the turn for us to sort of uh, leveling out that ups and down ebb and flow calendar mm-hmm. is saying, okay, we're going to make sure our leaders are always here. Mm-hmm. I would, I would even piggyback on that. That's, that's so good. But even knowing someone's name, you can't get away with saying, Hey, buckaroo. Hey, pal. <laughs> hey what buddy. Up? What's How are up? You? What's up girl? Go. <laughs> yeah. That can only happen so long. Right. You, and you can, you can take a step back and be like, you know what? I've made a mistake even five times, six times. Hey, I totally forgot your name. Yeah. So yeah. knowing names are so important for consistency yeah. and longevity. Yeah. And I love what you said, Britt, about the predictability mm-hmm. of your leaders and the message that that's sending to your students. Because it could be if they don't feel like the people who they are connected to won't be there, then why should they show up like you're saying? So again, it's a lot of layers deeper than just are they coming mm-hmm. or not? Why aren't they? Or why are they? Actually, I've got one more thing to say about the first time yeah. guests is I think there can be a lot of good information that comes from first time guests. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, you think about it, they're from the outside they're, they're They don't know your ministry from the inside out. I mean, they're, so they're coming from the outside and I, I think before they even participate in anything, uh, whether you give them a gift or, or what their information, all that stuff, like just ask them, Hey, after, afterward, give me a, uh, good, bad, the ugly, you know, mm-hmm. like share what your thoughts of this was, uh, on your consistent programming. Yeah. And man, I've gotten a lot of just, um, good, good information, but make it anonymous. Cause you don't want to embarrass them. Like get their information, get that feedback somehow, some way. So you text them a survey or something like that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And hmm. it's, uh, it's a good thing because it also lets me know what, what their small group leader was like. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you yeah. know, and, and there's the whole process, you know, from when they got there to when they leave. Yeah. So that's, okay. I that's love good. that idea. Yeah, that's really great. That is good. Hmm. And I'd say if you're the youth minister in your car, you're Blake in Wisconsin, and you're you're listening to this right now. <laughs> even hey, when Blake. you get, yeah, <laughs> even when you get uh, to your facility today, I would walk in it, try to walk in it with fresh eyes, think yeah. like a first timer, mm-hmm. 
do you know where to park? Was there signage telling you where to go? Which That's door to huge. enter? Yeah. Walk up to your first time table. Was that labeled? Was there a sign there for that? Does it look like the environment was expecting a first timer today? Mm-hmm. You know, That's a great is, question. Was are you there, prepared for it? Yeah. 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 Is That's there a good. handout for parents? Are things dusty and dirty? Right. Like, right. Yeah. Walk, when you walk in today, go down to your student room and just walk through it with the lens of a first timer. Yeah. Is it appealing? Yeah. You know, are you? Is it set up like you expected someone uh, to come for the first time? Because ultimately, if it's clean, that that equaled you care. I mean, right. that, without a doubt. 100%. That's great. So as we get close to wrapping up today, it seems like what I'm hearing that if your numbers are plateauing, we should be looking at the overall context of our church before freaking out and not just be reactive to what we're seeing or reacting to the numbers, but to look at the variables and the data points and the calendars and kind of take our cue from what that's telling us. So before we head out, what are some final thoughts that you guys might have to share with our listeners to wrap up today's podcast? I can't completely take this myself, uh, the, the credit, but uh, uh, there's several group of youth pastors I met with. And one of the big key takeaways that we had from that discussion was what gets rewarded gets repeated. Mm-hmm. So if, we, if we're rewarding growth, if, we're, if we are rewarding healthiness, if we're rewarding a culture of welcoming mm-hmm. uh, other students, then that, that's going to get repeated uh, not to our students and to our leaders. Yeah, that's good. I think uh, if your numbers are plateauing or even worse, you know, going down, the two areas that you pay attention to are first timers. How are you handling first timers? Are you prepared for them? Mm-hmm. How quickly do you get them connected to a relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're paying attention to first timers and then you're looking at retention. You know, mm-hmm. are we losing 12th graders? Are we losing eighth graders? Are we lo- losing 11th graders? And so then I look at my calendar and say, what can I make exclusive for certain grades? What events are catered just for high school or just for middle school or just my seniors or just my sixth graders uh, to try to fix that retention issue? So more than likely, if you have uh, plateaued or a drop, it's a mixture of both of those, first timers Mm -hmm. and the retention issue. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's good. I want to just kind of reiterate what you just said, because I think our tendency is to freak out, right, Mm -hmm. Sarah? Like we want to freak out. Our kids aren't there. But I love creating community and identity with the groups that you're not seeing. Yeah. Um, like, where are my 12th grade boys? Yeah. They have totally checked out. And so doing something, meeting them at Starbucks, doing something just creative with them right. is huge. And so I think that goes back to the data, though, like tracking your data, knowing who's there, yeah. and then focusing on the people who maybe haven't been in a few weeks and do yeah. something great with them. Yeah, that's really great. Well, guys, I have really enjoyed having this conversation with you guys and hearing your thoughts on what to do to help plateauing numbers. So thank you for joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, we would love to keep the conversation going. So if you'd like to share your thoughts on ways you've pushed through the youth ministry plateau, visit rethinkingym.org where you can find a link to our Facebook group where we'll be talking about that this week. Thanks for listening.